What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90min podcast network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett, as ever, after a few days, a few days after Man United's first defeat in a little while to tabletopping Arsenal. Rob, how are you feeling about that? I'm feeling all right about it. Obviously, when you lose a game like this, United fans are going to be upset, especially I think all the goals were probably preventable. But let's be honest, Arsenal were the better team. Arsenal are the better team. Arsenal are really chasing a championship and we're kind of hoping to chase one. So I think the game played out as we thought, especially without Casemiro on a football pitch. And I think credit to Arsenal. I think you've got to congratulate them, got to congratulate Arteta. They're a really, really good team and they deserve the victory. You know, overall, the stats tell you that. But I think the eye test also tells you that United were fighting fire for a lot of that game. Yeah, uh, if there's any United fans out there listening to this who are still very down about it, you can listen to the rest of the show and we'll try and talk you around a little bit. It's a disappointing result, but at the same time, kind of expected. Uh, and it's not all doom and gloom. United are still uh, in the top four. Will be They have a decent run of fixtures coming up and you'd think United can continue to power on, especially if players come back from injury and absence. I've just seen Axel Twanzebis back in training. I know that'll please you, Rob. Uh, Jaden Sancho's on the way back. You know, Anthony Martial might be back soon. And there's two cup games to get into. So we'll talk about the cups today. Uh, United turn their attention to Nottingham Forest in the first leg of the semi-final of the Carabao Cup on Wednesday. And uh, they play Reading at home in the FA Cup on Saturday. And then it's back to league action against Crystal Palace. And I think they play Leeds twice in the next few weeks as well. So you'd think United can uh, start picking up some points again. Let's hope that they can turn a corner after the Arsenal game. Put that behind them and continue on. Even though their schedule, in terms of the amount of games in the amount of time, looks pretty grim. Uh, We'll talk about that uh, on today's show. We'll talk about the Arsenal game in a little bit more depth. We'll talk David De Gea 
I know he's been getting a bit of stick. And we'll talk some transfer targets, Harry Kane, Dusan Vlajevic, Antoine Griezmann. And we'll look ahead to the Cups as well. And we'll also talk about Rob's attire today. If, you, if you're listening uh, on <laughs> one of our audio channels on Spotify, Apple, etc., come over to YouTube so you can see Rob's uh, choice of choice of fashion today. What's the reasoning, Rob? Well, it's kind of my skateboarding route, but yes, I do look like I'm about to go up a ladder somewhere and mend some pointing on a house or something like that. But I can't help that. That's workwear for you. That's fashion. That's what I like. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's just my usual casual attire, even though I do look like I am about to go and do some woodwork or something like that. But I can assure you, I'm not doing any woodwork at all today. What would you? What what is this? What what are we calling this for those listening on audio? What is is this? These overalls? Is that? I, I guess they're called overalls. Like that's the traditional, yeah, like name for them. But uh, it's more f- about functionality, Scott. It's functionality. more about kind of stuff that keeps you warm in the cold outside. It's minus one today, um, and this whole kind of workwear fashion. That's what I'm into. And uh, yeah, it's all kind of got its roots somewhere in skateboarding and streetwear. Yes, indeed. Uh, catch us again on Friday <laughs> for the latest on what Rob is wearing. Uh, we, we record on Tuesdays and Fridays. Today is a Tuesday. Uh, whenever you're listening to this, uh, we do record on Tuesdays and Fridays. So head over to YouTube, like, subscribe, join the community, leave a comment, and put on the notification bell as well. We're starting to get a little bit of bit more traction over there leave comments for us we always like them uh and obviously subscribe on audio as well if you could do both that would be fantastic because uh you know listen to the show twice to boost our numbers That'd and if great. carhartt want to sponsor us you know like car like you know if carhartt yeah. would like to sponsor the show please get in contact and you know i'm already kind of plugging your product you might as well get involved definitely we'll add them in uh in today's yeah. uh, social media <laughs> plugs speaking of at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show as well. You can find us on Twitter and get in touch with us. Uh, I usually do sarcastic tweets and people don't like it. I, I did one about Harry Kane last night and people don't like it. <laughs> Even because I think Harry Kane isn't actually that bad a signing for Man United. Uh, but clearly people don't agree. So we'll talk about Harry Kane a little bit later. But let's let's start with Arsenal in a little bit more depth. Obviously, the game happened a, a few days ago now. So United have had time to digest it and you know look ahead to 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 the next game against Forest because this season is these fixtures come thick and fast. But we did I to me, Rob, are we I didn't learn too much about United. I think that's kind of what I expected. Uh the first half performance I thought was uh really strong to be honest. I think United pressed Arsenal from the front. They gave Arsenal a lot of problems. Marcus Rashford showing that he's pretty hot at the moment. And uh eventually I think obviously United played in midweek as well. Arsenal had a full week to prepare for it. Arsenal grew in strength and United just kind of resorted I guess a little bit back to old habits in the sense of oh it's too too protect at all costs and then they they eventually you know give up a goal at the end which was deserved to Arsenal for, for Eddie and Ketia and I've got really no issue with it we learned that Casemiro 
would be a miss. We knew that already. Scott McTominay is limited in what he can do. Christian Eriksen in midfield isn't the best defensive option. Been saying that all season. And uh, Anthony getting a lot of stick again. But I think, you know, not. I didn't learn too much new in that one. No, I think what we knew before the game is that Manchester United at the moment are an imperfect team. You know, that's what they are, aren't they? They're not perfect yet. They're, they're, they're moving towards where they want to be. They have a philosophy, they have a structure. They had, you know, multiple games now in the season where they've they've avoided defeat and played quite well and won football matches. But I think when you were going to go there without Casemiro, there was always that, well, let's wait and see factor. It's like, can you get over the hump without your main guy? Because let's be honest, Casemiro bosses that midfield. That's what he does. So I think as soon as you took him out of the game, you were hamstrung. It was always going to be difficult. But like, like you said, we didn't learn anything. But what, what I think United fans may be, I don't know, and I think Arsenal fans to an extent as well, you know, this whole kind of back to the future mentality that, oh, it's Arsenal United again, we're the best teams in the, in the land and all of this. Well, Arsenal are three and a half years into their project. Three and a half years. Everyone thinks Arteta's been in charge two minutes. Three and a half years. They finished eight twice. Finished eight twice, and this time last year, just a little bit before, they were bottom of the league pretty much. So it, it shows that there, it's been a, a slow evolution for them. Why do we think it'll be any different at Man United? So we're seven months into the Ten Hag project, and I think we're ahead of the curve. I think we're ahead of where we want to be in terms of maybe the, the style and the quality of what United are trying to do. But it's like you just said there, Scott, and I think it's the main kind of this is the main takeaway is that. In-game management for footballers to decide in themselves what to do in the moment is so vital. And United at 2-2 were just like scared little bunny rabbits in the last 15 minutes. It was just like, let's go further back. I think Luke Shaw versus Saka was like the epitome uh, of the whole football match, where Luke Shaw was just backing up into the box, almost to his six-yard area. We're all kind of a bit like, Luke, go out to him. But that was the whole United mindset, I think, in the second half. And Arsenal got what they wanted. They were looking for the points. They were looking for the victory. And fortune favours the brave, doesn't it? So I wasn't surprised in the 89th minute when they, they nicked that goal because I think United weren't defending particularly well. So old habits die hard. But I do think it's another step forward in your progression. I think Ten Hag can go away with the lads, work with them, look at the video, <coughs> say, look at this. Don't do this again. Please hold your shape. Please push up. Now you've got Veghorst at the top end of the pitch that can do the press from number nine, and it's going to help your shape. United must be more disciplined in those moments, but I don't think we really learned anything brand new. Yeah, unfortunately, United didn't win, didn't take any points, and <coughs> Tottenham win. Tottenham's win at Fulham on Monday night means Spurs have closed the gap to three points, although United do have a game in hand on Spurs. And Spurs also play Man City next in the league. So I think, mm. you know, something has to give there. So as long as United can get back to, I think what I want to see really is what I kind of, one thing I have learned about United this season is they, they can take a setback. And I know last week wasn't the exact perfect example of that because they dropped mm. points late on in both games. But I do think United have more of an ability now to get over disappointments and setbacks and just get back on the wagon, you know? Yeah, they've got the perfect excuse, haven't they, as well, though? Like, oh, this happened, we didn't have Casemiro. So they can, like, they can go away and say, well, if, but, maybe, you know, if we'd had Casemiro, we would have clogged the midfield a bit more, we'd have had a bit more of a defensive function than Scotty gave. Like, I thought Scotty was pretty useless on the day. Unfortunately, he didn't rise to the occasion. 
But we kind of knew that before, didn't we? So I think they'll do that. They'll go away and they'll say, if we'd had Casemiro, we might have avoided one of those goals and got a win. Might have even won the game 2-1 at one point or whatever, you know, if you've got ahead of the, the football match. But we didn't, no one's mentioned Marcus Rashford's goal like as well. It kind of, it's got, it's got a rather Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? Because it was such a good goal. And, and on one hand, it's the best part of Marcus because Marcus kind of made that trick, got into the box. Veghorst brilliantly pulled away, opened the space. Rashford exposed it with an amazing shot. But then on the flip side, I think Marcus was trying to do way too much on the ball in the match. He just needed to pass and move it a little bit more where he looked like he was trying to go full Mbappe with everything. You know, it's like, I'm going to beat six players and score a goal because he's in that vein of form. But uh, an amazing goal from Marcus and shows that United have got that ability to just kind of create out of nothing, which is which is a useful trait in the Premier League. You know, you can be the, the second best team on the pitch and still score goals. So uh, a great moment for Marcus, but obviously ultimately didn't earn Manchester United any points. Did enjoy Lisandro's goal as well. It was yeah. a very nice, uh, creative, creative header. Uh, and it was nice to see, even though obviously United did lose the game in the end, it was nice to see him get off, get off the mark for United as well. Yeah, look, it, 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 that moment deserved a point, you know, because I think again, United could have crumbled at that moment, Scott. You know, like you could have you could have gone down, couldn't you? Like 3-1, 4-1, that was the way the, the game was going. But United was still fighting. And I, I think that that's a, a big takeaway because I think, again, in, in years gone by, United would have just gone into their shell a lot earlier and you'd have got beaten a lot quicker. But it went all the way out to the 89th minute. So really a horrible way to lose a football match. But there were still positives off the back of it. Yes, indeed. Uh, should we talk David De Gea? Because he's been getting a little bit of stick. I think so. And I understand why. Like, maybe we disagree a little bit here, Rob, but I think that there is there are moments in games where David De Gea has the ball at feet and ends up kicking it out. At one point, the entire stadium was going when he was in possession. Uh... Mm. Hmm. Uh, and like in ex- expectation that he give the ball away or, or mess it up. Uh, obviously, he's having to to change his game a lot to get in or stay as Eric Ten Hag's number one. His contract is up at the end of the season as it stands. No agreement's been come to yet on an extension and a pay decrease. Uh, but I think that's the most likely way that it's going at the moment. Mm-hmm. But how do you how do you analyze this? Because Obviously, he's trying, David De Gea. It's, it's not a perfect fit. Um, not Perhaps not United's worst problem. But do they, do they have a moment this summer now where they can address this problem? Like the, the perfect escape route, if, if, if we put it that way. Uh, and how much does it hamstring United in a sense? Because De Gea's distribution isn't great. And there was a moment which has been clipped up and shared on social media over and over and over and over and over again, where De Gea could have caught the ball, a high ball in the box late in the game when United were under pressure, but he decided to punch it back to Arsenal. And yeah, perhaps another keeper would have dealt with it differently. Maybe, you know, like someone else does something different to someone else. Uh, I, look, I, I look at it like this, that I've been doing shows for two years about the goalkeeper position, about modern goalkeeping, what you need to do, what you can do. And yes, David De Gea is definitely weak in a lot of those areas on the deck and distribution and whatnot. But the bit I kind of do have a gripe with 
is that every time he makes like something that looks like a borderline mistake or a different decision that that, that Allison would have made or Edison would have made, everyone gets so excited about it. Let's be honest as well in this game. De Gea once again saved United as he has done plenty of times this season in that moment when Niketia really just had to stroke the ball home and De Gea makes that amazing save before obviously Arsenal did get their their third goal. So I think it's a little bit of horses of course horses for courses. We're going to talk in a minute about obviously a potential target that Man United are looking at and and it makes sense because if you're moving towards a progressive a progressive moment in a goalkeeper, then yes, you might have to look at different types of goalkeepers. David De Gea is never going to be the best on the deck, but the moment where he gives the ball to Aaron Wambasaka and Wambasaka makes a mess and then they score, that's not De Gea's fault. That's, that's Wambasaka's fault. De Gea is doing what he's been told, plays, play the ball to the fullback. Really, what, what uh, Wambasaka should have done is taken a touch, opened his body up and shifted it down the line. He didn't do that. He came inside, he lost the ball. So that's not the goalkeeper's fault. And I don't think if Alisson or Edison was in goal that there would have been any different pass there. So you said there about the punch, which has been clipped up. David De Gea's done that for 10 years. Yeah, Edison does it all the time. You know, all the top progressive goalkeepers like to punch. That's what they do. Lloris never catches the ball, always punches the ball, even when not under pressure. He should have caught it. I agree with you. But is it worth dissecting that as fans after the game? Is that why you lost this football match? You know, so I think that this is why some of it is nonsensical. If the manager wants a progressive goalkeeper, he will go out and buy one. We know that. But he's delighted with De Gea at the moment. Like De Gea is like one position he's not particularly talking about, he's talking to Haya up and to Haya himself is saying how much he's enjoying life under Ten Hag. So I think he's going to stay. I think he will be the number one. I think you could bring someone else who could compete for the number one shirt that, you know, isn't Jack Butland. Uh, Dean Henderson. Like, well, this is it. So it's definitely, definitely, definitely not going to be Dean Henderson. Like we know that. And you're going to get a decent fee for Dean Henderson. Hopefully he carries on playing good football for Forrest. So you can get that money. You can recycle it, can't you? And you could probably go out there and still buy a, a, a more progressive on the ground goalkeeper. But then you still need a goalkeeper that keeps the ball out the net. That's important. And I think De Gea has proved this season that United have got better and he saved United so many times again. Like year after year, he saves United and people then look at his metrics and go, he can't pass the ball. Oh, he's rubbish, isn't he? A lot of managers like their goalkeeper saving them. It happens. And De Gea has done that plenty this year. So it's not been one of those seasons. Do you remember, Scott, about a year or two ago when United were trying to play out from the back under Solskjaer? And it was horrible. And it was obviously part of De Gea, but it was also Lindelof. It was also Maguire. It was Wan-Bissaka. And they couldn't do it. They get caught and a goal would be scored. I don't feel like that anymore. I just feel that United need to shift it quicker when you're playing a team like Arsenal because Arsenal will press you and expose you on the ball and off the ball. Um, I don't really come away from this Arsenal game and think too much about David De Gea. I don't think he did much wrong in the game. But I see why people want to highlight it because it's just another stick to beat him with, isn't it? It's another week, something happened, beat him. Let's not talk about the Nketiah moment where he saved United and that could have been the story of the game at 2-2. You might have got a point because of David De Gea. I don't actually think it was his fault that you lost the game. So how high up the list of priorities is new goalkeeper let's let's what what's what's number one well Dav, well do, uh, again striker I, number one i, I think yeah. central midfielder is pretty high up as well in the, i think in the in the sliding scales it, there's the kind of obvious so people are obviously going to look at the nine obviously but then you look at other parts of the park united especially in terms of depth 
And I still think that United get beaten in midfield quite often. So, you know, Ericsson's been great this season. I think he's been a really shrewd signing, obviously a free transfer, uh, a knowledgeable technical footballer who can give you so much upside on the ball going forward. But football is so much about what you do off the ball today, which is why Casemiro is so good. So what's number one? Yes, you do want a striker, but it's got to be the right striker. It's no good just plopping in another centre forward that does centre forward things. Football fans, again, are so obsessed with the striker scoring the goal because you've got to get 20 goals or you've got to be like Haaland. No, you need a system that works first and foremost. So, yeah, I'd say that striker and midfield for me are the, are the two areas of the part that you would like to strengthen first. But this is what I mean about the goalkeeper position. It's not near the top. It's not the worst thing. I saw people tweeting yesterday as well when kind of just doing a little bit of research for the show. And people were like, yeah, you know, De Gea completely ruins your game. Without De Gea, you know, that the upgrade is there. If you, make, you get rid of De Gea and bring in a goalkeeper that can pass the ball, you're going to be a better team. Well, yes, you are. But is that what Eric Ten Hag is thinking? Is Eric Ten Hag thinking, that's what I have to go and solve tomorrow? I always say there isn't a bottomless pit of money to go and build your fantasy football team. It doesn't exist. In fact, it doesn't even exist in fantasy football. You know, you have to operate to a budget there. So I, I look at it like that. I think striker and midfield are there. And, and this is why we probably will end up speaking about Mr. Frankie de Jong again at some point going forward, because United are going to play them in uh, play Barcelona in the not so distant future. And you're going to see a kind of midfielder that I think in profile terms, United would like to add very quickly. Just to put it on the table, Declan Rice, Jude Bellingham, Mm-hmm. All these players, for me, still, I, I, Frankie De Jong's my personal number one pick for that position still, because I just think it, it, I, I see the type of player he is, and I see what United lack in there, and I think that's just per- he's perfect. Anyway, um, we'll we'll talk about midfielders another day. Let's just chat about David Raya for a sec because mm. uh, we'll talk about number nine options in a little bit, but David Raya, we didn't have time on last week's show to talk about this, but he was linked with a. Well, United were credited with interest in him. Plays for Brentford, obviously, is out of contract in 2024. And a price of 15 to 20 million pounds was uh, was put on his head if Brentford, Brentford were to sell him in the summer. Chelsea potentially looking for a new goalkeeper, but the, I think the strongest links have been with Tottenham, who have had Hugo Lloris in goal for a long time. And we can see how many mistakes Hugo Lloris is making. So, <laughs> yeah. David Raya, what do you think? Yeah, I like him. I really like him. And I think that he is kind of the profile of the modern goalkeeper that we talk about so much. Someone who can kind of do a little bit more of the function of getting the ball out and playing out from the back while still making great saves. And obviously, he's one of the guys that's taken David De Gea's place uh, in the international setup. So uh, I like him. I think for 20 million, he'd be a good purchase. But I do think that he'll go somewhere and be the kind of stone, stone cold number one. So like Tottenham makes sense. Chelsea, if you decide that that Kepper needs to go off your books because he earns an incredible amount of money and probably isn't the elite goalkeeper that you want. Though he's played well this year. There's there's other clubs I think that might be in the queue at that price range to go and get him. And this is the issue for Man United. Like they've got to go and bring in a goalkeeper that's going to eat up a fairly sizable wage and a fair chunk of money in your budgets to buy other players. And of course, if Man United get new owners in the next few weeks and months, and that's what we hope and desire and believe will happen, you might have a bigger budget to go and get 
bigger bigger goalkeepers, someone at the top end of the scale. But I really, really don't believe that Ten Hag thinks that that's his number one concern. I still think the outfield is where Ten Hag wants to build. You just mentioned De Jong now, so we won't go too mad about De Jong. And you're saying that's the kind of player. I think you also probably could do with someone like Declan Rice, who I think is underrated technically and also underrated in, in his defensive function from back to front. Like he's actually a better player on the front foot than people give him credit for. Mm. It's just that at West Ham, he has to do everything. He has to sing the theme tune, write the theme tune. That's what he has to do. It's his club. He has to run everything. But I think at Man United, can you imagine Declan Rice with Casemiro? Or Declan Rice with Casemiro and Ericsson and Bruno Fernandes. That balance and mix then suddenly becomes, I think, much more agreeable to winning football matches week after week after week. So there's options for United. It just depends which route you go. Jude Bellingham, I think, would also fit in there. But it's all about premium pricing, isn't it? Like, are you going to bring in someone at, at, at the £100 million mark? Or are you going to look somewhere down the food chain? People saying Frankie Dion at £80 million still. I'm not convinced. 100% sure what the price would be now because like he's playing decent football and I think he's kind of shown that he's still who he is. Um, yeah, I'd love him at Man United, but come on, that saga seems to have gone on so long. I'm I'm just never convinced that he wants to come to the rainy days of Manchester. 250 days a year it rains in Manchester. I'm not quite sure Frankie wants that. Would Harry Kane want that? We'll talk about Harry Kane next because... Uh... Yeah, we we I, I suppose we have to. We we spoke about it on recent shows. Yeah, but uh, develop. I I'd say developments, but obviously, David Ornstein, uh, lovely man, massive respect to him. Yeah, uh, put out that uh, Harry Kane would like to stay at, or would consider, or is going to talk to Spurs about a potential new contract yeah. next month, and the world went mad because. <laughs> talking about a new contract means he's going to sign a new contract apparently uh so i think we should we should talk about this i mean just because he will talk to spurs about a new contract doesn't necessarily mean he will sign a new contract i think no. i don't think anything's changed here to be honest things will only change if spurs make the top four harry kane signs a new contract and they move ahead or they they win the fa cup or something like that this season or the Champions League. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I can't believe I said that. But yeah, like <laughs> Harry Kane is still on the agenda and he? he scored an amazing goal against Fulham. And like, like I said, I put out a tweet last night that people are concerned about Harry Kane's age because he turns 30. And as we've said before, Harry Kane is not a pressing monster. He's not a... Uh, he's not never been the fastest player in the world. Yeah. It's... With Harry Kane, he has to make the choice about where his the qualities of his game will fit best. And the, the kind of goal he scored last night. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You'll score that for you'll score that for another six, seven years. Totally. I th I think the Harry Kane thing is all quite curious because <sighs> popularity and populism in football 
it's it's like rife. And it's either like players who are popular or not popular. So Osman, yeah, he's really popular at the moment. Why is that? Because he's playing brilliantly and 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 scoring goals at Napoli for fun. But the whole Harry Kane thing and the reason why people say they don't want Harry Kane or don't want United to consider Harry Kane, I it's just a kind of strange conundrum of like you want someone to bring the goals that Ronaldo brought, but you want someone to to be in the system and work for Ten Hag and do all those things. Like you just said that Harry Kane's not a pressing monster. But Harry Kane absolutely works in a press. The, all, of, all of the metrics and stats show it, that he's one of the most elite players at getting interceptions and assisting. <laughs> That's what you want in the press. Get the ball, pass it, score. That's what you want from a nine. You want that to happen. Of course, you still want someone to be a stone-cold killer in the box. Do we think Harry Kane is that? Yes, Harry Kane is that. I even saw some opinion saying, oh, it's a little bit too much like the Van Persie signing, like you'll get one great year uh, and that'll be it. Sorry, if you get what Ram Van Persie gave you for one year, you take it, don't you? Like, you know, if you get if you get someone who could propel you to a title almost on his own with a good team around him, then you go, yes. I understand that United fans, again, have got this kind of imagery about a striker for 10 years. And I've heard it's been t- said to me that, oh, Osman could be your striker for 10 years. Football doesn't work like that anymore. No one goes to somewhere to play there for 10 years, even though, of course, Chelsea give 10-year contracts out and now their FFP are coming to haunt them. People saying that you can't do that anymore because obviously it's not realistic to give people 10-year, 8-year, 7-year contracts. But I don't think United need to be thinking for 10 years. Like, the manager might not even be at the football club for 10 years. You've got to think about next year, the year after, and maybe the year after that. Your projects are always like a year to two to three. That's how you build successfully. Harry Kane in this Man United squad, would be very good, both in the short term, the midterm, and you might even get longer out of him. I know you talked about him looking after his body, but just look at the goal he scored for Spurs last night, that, that kind of taking the ball on the spin, opening the space and burying it. Now, Marcus is doing that at the moment, but we know that Marcus is not, it's not his game. He's not really a natural nine in that fit, is he? And you know that probably Weghorst isn't going to give you that anti Martial's bits of his body are falling off every week. That's a problem. So we're going to go and get someone and you can spend 70, 80 million on a world-class striker. And that's what Harry Kane is. I really don't understand why Man United fans have got ideas about other strikers. I said to you off camera, and I'm going to say it here. A lot of people wanted Lukaku when he came to the football club because Lukaku, Premier League proven, strong number nine, can run that middle channel all the time, aggressive, big, strong. It was absolutely the wrong fit for Man United long term. Absolutely the long, wrong fit. Goes to Italy, looks good. Comes back to the Premier League, looks rubbish again. So you've got to be careful about who you buy here. And I think Harry Kane is probably, Scott, the safest bet at 80 million. As Agreed. you know, people, people talk about his fitness record. Last two years, he's hardly had an injury. He's hardly had a knock. So you, you've got to kind of look at, I think, the immediate... And what you need next season to go and push on to become title contenders. It's no good saying we're buying someone for 10 years. I think that is a kind of deluded way of looking at modern football when people move around so much, both including managers and footballers themselves. Of course, there is no guarantee that United do end up getting Harry Kane anyway. Like, no. obviously, this is um, he's going to be one on a list of several targets when United try and try and buy a striker. I just think that people are looking at Harry Kane and they're thinking... Oh, well, Victor Osman would make so much more sense. But if you're spending 100 million plus on Victor Osman, he's going to have to work straight away. And as we've seen, bringing strikers in from Serie A doesn't necessarily mean that it's a guaranteed work and guaranteed fit. And also, 
I'll pose this question to you. How many times has, has Eric Ten Hag had a Victor Osserman-style striker in his Ajax teams? He's used Dusan Tadic. He's used Zero. Sebastian Haller. He's mm. never had a Victor Osserman-style striker in nope. his team. No, he so hasn't. Why ever. are people automatically jumping to the conclusion that he's the perfect fit for Eric Ten Hag's team this time? Because it's populism. That's what it is. So like, I, I get that people are watching Napoli and everyone's appreciating what Napoli's doing and appreciating what Osman does. And he really is a, a dynamic, exceptional striker. But he's also fairly selfish. He doesn't play the press at all. Like, just not his game at all. Like, Kane is better at the press than, than Osman. But it really is about profile here. And everyone wants a superstar striker. I get that but it's not necessarily what you desperately need next week. <laughs> like, this is the problem. So you could go and get Osman, but who is the gamble? 130 million for a player that's never played in the Premier League and doesn't fit your system. Or maybe a guy at 80 million who is going to possibly be the greatest striker of all time in the Premier League, potentially. You know, all-time greatest striker. And is going to be someone that gives you leadership and that can play in the press and that can give you immediate returns. Do we think, Scott, that say we signed Osman or we say signed Kane, that this time in 12 months' time, that Osman will definitely have scored more goals than Kane? Definitely. No, I don't believe that. I think Harry Kane might have scored more goals at Tottenham if he signed a new contract. You, so, Rob, you can see it with Erling Haaland, right? Definitely, yeah. Erling Haaland scored, and we've, talk, we've talked about it as well. Erling Haaland scored 25-ish Premier League goals. He's got a, four hat-tricks this season already. And people are questioning his fit. Rightly so. Rightly mm. so. But just because like, people will d- always demand more than, than just goals. And I, I think there's... I'm, I'm not saying at all. No way am I saying that I don't want Victor Osman because I think no. he's a great striker. I just think mm. in terms of embedding the fit straight away and what Eric Ten Hag has previously worked with. This idea that Victor Osman is the, the exact perfect fit seems to have just come out of thin air. I mean, it doesn't really, to, to me, it doesn't really match the history that Ten Hag has, the, the type of player that Eric Ten Hag has had up front before. Mm. And I just think it's a massive risk because if if Victor Osman signs for United and goes two games without scoring a goal, ah, he's useless. <laughs> Ah, this Victor, it, it, this Osman man, United have done it again. You know they they've they've bought a dud again. Whoever whoever Ten Hag signs in any position, and it includes a strike, includes midfield, and includes goalkeeper, it's going to be to improve the system. Yeah, it's not going to be someone who just automatically sells shirts. Now, let's be honest, Kane or Osman both would sell shirts. It doesn't really matter. But it's about someone who will come in and add value and, and not just add value in scoring goals. You know, like the goal metric is really important for a number nine. But I think, again, Scott, that that's more about fans' views on football. Like you saw it with Cristiano all the time is that there's this mythology around it. It's like, well, you put him on a pitch, he's bound to score because he scored a thousand goals before. Well, he doesn't fit your system, he's, you know. Before you know it, he's out of the football club. You know, he, he felt it and he understood where it, where the game was going and where Man United's game was going. This is the issue with Osserman. I don't think that you bring him to the team, that he is an automatic starter. And that 130 million, he's got to be. You know, you spend that kind of money, you want automatic starters, don't you, that, that are going to do certain things. So look, the thing is with Harry Kane, I'm not his biggest fan in the world. Like I don't sit at home and kind of go, oh, yeah, I love Harry Kane. He's the, my dream striker. 
But in the same way, like I mentioned Lukaku there, you know, I was really happy we got Lukaku because I believed he fit what Mourinho wanted to do. That's why we signed him. He wasn't perfect, but that's why we signed him. You know, when you go down the line of kind of, of, of what strikers do. And then, of course, for Ole, he didn't fit what Ole wanted to do. So he's gone. So I think you have to be careful of that. If you're going to sign someone for 130 million, you've got to hope Ten Hag's here for the long term. And that's what we hope. And we believe he will be. But he's got to have some kind of success in it, hasn't he? You know, to be able to sustain longevity. So who do you fit in there for that one, two, three year dynamic? I think Kane fits it. You know, there is another striker that we will mention off the bat here that Man United could go and get and have potentially got ties to and have looked at in the last year or two. Um, and he is going to be on the market imminently, which I'm sure you're going to explain to us, Scott, of what 90 men have been reporting as well mm-hmm. uh, on the player. And he's a good option. And I think we'll see that United will more likely settle for uh, a striker in that 70, 80 million pound bracket because at 130 million, it's a huge risk for Osman, even though he is a beautiful, beautiful number nine. And I would not be against him wearing a Man United shirt. Yeah, we were going to move on to this story and you've just teed it up nicely. Dusan Vlajevic is a, another name that has come on the scene. You, if you're mm. aware, Juventus have uh, been doing some bad stuff and have been handed... <laughs> A, de- a points deduction in Serie A of 15 points based on the bad stuff they were doing uh, around their transfer dealings. There's also a case which is still hanging over them, which could mean that they get an extra points deduction. Uh, they will appeal this initial decision, and it could be the case that either this ban is, or this this points deduction is upheld, mm. or completely washed, uh, completely wiped off. We'll see. Uh Fabio Paratici, who is uh, at Spurs, has been implicated in this as well. He faces an, a ban from football <laughs> as well, which is, is pretty crazy. Uh, but Juventus are obviously one of uh, the, traditionally the best team in Italy, but you know have been uh, they've had uh, doubts about their dealings hang, hanging over them before in the past. So it's not it's nothing new yes. really. However, uh, what uh, we've written on nightmin.com over the last few days is that Dusan Vlajevic, who joined Juventus only last year, he turns 23 in four days' time as we record this on the 28th, only joined Juventus a year ago, always wanted to play for Juventus, got his move from Fiorentina to Juventus last year. That Now, that's mm-hmm. not a, an easy move to make, <laughs> uh, no. Fiorentina to Juventus. And it's done pretty well at Interim, uh, but Juventus, with their 15-point deduction, have dropped to like 10th in the league in Serie A. Mm. And the the lad at 23, soon to be 23, wants to play in the Champions League. So I think what we've what we've reported in the last few days is that United are just one of a number of clubs who've been made aware that Vlajevic might potentially want to move on. And if there is a club that puts up what Juventus paid for him, which was 70 million euros plus plus 10 uh, last year, that Juventus would consider selling because obviously I'm sure they'd like to keep all their players. But if they're out of the Champions League, they probably understand that it might be a bit difficult for them. They've got a lot of great players, to be fair, Juventus. Or Pogba, <laughs> imagine. Uh, Federico Chiesa, there's a, there's a number of players. But Dusan Vlajevic, I think, is the profile of striker that I think potentially a better fit than Victor Osserman. But obviously, this is just... Um, a number of clubs have been aware of made aware of Vlajevic, Vlajevic's potential availability in the market because he is your traditional big 
lump of a number nine. Technically quite good though as well. Scores a lot of goals. I think he'd make a good fit in the Premier League. Uh, but the likes of, you know, other European clubs, Bayern Munich are obviously looking for a striker. Paris Saint-Germain, Arsenal have been, they tried to get him before they signed Gabi Jesus last year and they lost out to Juventus. And Chelsea, you never know whether they, they might not have Champions League football next season, but they do offer lots of money and massive contracts. So uh, could be on the agenda as well. But uh, obviously in the report as well, we've put down that Blaivich has seen what what's happening at Old Trafford and might actually be keen to work with Eric Ten Hag if he is to leave. No guarantee of, at all that he does leave, but this is just putting the feelers out there from his camp. Uh, so wouldn't surprise me if United did end up maybe considering this move as well as they, they look for a new striker. But what do you make of it, Rob? Well, I think he's he's a valid candidate for the job because this is kind of what you do, isn't it? You have candidates for for the position or who you'd like to play there. I think with Vlajevic, he, he, he is... Uh, it, when you look at his fit and his profile and the stuff that you've just highlighted there about the type of game he plays, he is definitely your happy medium somewhere between what we're talking about in terms of Kane and Osserman and less of a risk with much more upside. Now, look, you've got to look at it in a different way. Man United have new owners in the hypothetical moving forward. Say you get a big transfer kitty of 300 million. Yeah, that's a big kitty. Go and spend a load of money, 300. How much are you going to put into the striker position? Are you going to put 130 million? Are you more looking at kind of 80 million? I think even with brand new owners, super rich owners, United will have to spread that cash across multiple positions still because you're building. So Rivic really does fit that kind of long-term mould that you might be looking at in terms of, of having a player that you can actually build his value on. I, I think he suits the Premier League really well. And I think he would suit in rotation the likes of Rashford and Martial. So if you're going to keep Martial, let's just say, like, you know, Martial magically heals and bits of him don't break off week after week, he then becomes someone in your rotation. Rashford is in your rotation. Say then Veghorst does really well when he's a great pressing striker. So you, you take him at 10 million, put him in your rotation. So you need your fourth striker and your fourth striker is Vlavic. I think that that's a good blend. That's a good mix. It isn't your Osserman. It isn't your kind of dynamic, you know, scoring all sorts of crazy goals and showing how athletic he is and, you know, what a, what a poacher he can be and doing all those things. But he definitely fits Ten Hag system better. Definitely. So I think he's somewhere in the middle there that that he would give Ten Hag the kind of option that he likes of of that maybe physical presence up top without forsaking technicality. I think he's actually more technical than Osman in many ways. I agree. Like no offense. I think Osman Osman in isolation is brilliant in the same way like Rashford is brilliant in isolation. But maybe in the, the open game, Rashford's not so good or he's learning that or he's becoming better. And I think Osman in the Premier League, got to remember, Scott, in the Premier League, the difference between everywhere else in the Prem is that in the Premier League, you've got to make decisions quicker. That's it. That's the bottom dollar. So you're going to need a number nine that makes quick decisions. That's why Harry Kane is so elite, is that his brain operates at six times the speed of everyone else around him. And he can see the game open up in front of him. And he knows whether to pass or shoot or where to be to position himself. That's a big ask of a, of a young player. Is it Vlajevic, we say, is, is 22? You know, 22, he turns 23 this week. So he's going to be 23 very, very soon. It's a good age to make that step to the Premier League. You know, you've got a bit of grounding behind you. Obviously, you know, Juventus are in a big mess. They could end up being relegated at this point. It's not the first time that would have happened to Juventus. You know, 
I've said to you before as well, you know, as a kid, I always followed Juventus, watched, uh, you know, Italian football on Channel 4, like everyone else used to in those days in the 90s. And I remember being devastated when they got relegated because it was like, oh, my God, the team I watch has suddenly disappeared and it took them a few years to get back. Yes, they're the biggest team in Italy. But I do think that this striker is going to have to find a new home because I think they will, they'll be looking at clearing the decks as well uh, now, Juventus. All these deals where they're being implicated and there's issues, they just won't want to have to deal with it much longer. They'd rather it all just went away. So I think you'll see some fire sales happening in Turin over the summer. Like we say, we'll see. What about Antoine Griezmann? <laughs> Suggestions the, uh, this week from uh, from Sky Sports that United inquired about Antoine Griezmann in the summer. Yeah. I We've had this conversation before, Rob. We don't need too long on this, but I like Griezmann. You don't, really. Uh, I, but now I don't think this is a fit which makes any sense at all. So, and I, And I think that last sentence there is exactly kind of where I've been on it, is that... Obviously, Griezmann, long-term target at Manchester United. We reported only a few weeks ago that United had inquired about him. We knew about that and we knew that that was something that was ongoing. And we and they got the same response from Griezmann I think they've got for the last five years, which is like, mm, don't really fancy it, but all right, we'll have a chat. So that that happened. Obviously, his priority was to, to make his, his loan move uh, more of a permanent affair. He doesn't really fit what Man United do. I think when you've got players in the squad like Ericsson, like, Bruno. Yes, United do need more creativity. And I think that Griezmann's becoming a more rounded, deeper player than a number nine. But I think you, in the Premier League, you do need a certain kind of striker that can help now with the aggressive side of your game, with the press. It's not Antoine Griezmann, is it? Let's be honest. And I think that he's on the latter stage of his career. Like people might say, oh, Harry Kane is as well. But Harry Kane is an immediate fit that makes you better. I think Griezmann would need time at United to settle in. And the last thing you need is a kind of player in his his latter years. I don't really want to call him that. I think players can go on a lot longer now. He's not the greatest fit for Man United's project. I don't see him being, you know, maybe he's a bit like, you know, you just said uh, uh, Ajax, the kind of strikers uh, Mm -hmm. that have been used before, that he's maybe like that kind of striker. But I just don't really think that, in the Premier League, he would be prolific enough or help you in the press. He wouldn't be dynamic enough. He's a little bit of kind of pick the lock type of player, isn't he? Where you've already got one or two of those. Yeah, we don't need to do anything else on that, really. Uh, so you know, play Nottingham Forest on Wednesday, and then they play. Who do they play in the cup? Reading. Reading. <laughs> Reading on Saturday. We'll talk, maybe talk a little bit more about the Reading game in the coming days. But I think if if ever United needed a game mm. to shrug off the Arsenal defeat and to look ahead to a cup semi-final first leg, isn't a bad game, is it? Yeah, and look, it's 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 cup season. So the thing is, because you're in it, you want to win it. So that's where you are now. You've got to kind of push the boat out to to get on in these competitions. So you've got a really good chance in the League Cup. You've got good draw in the FA Cup. And and it is good to kind of just get out of Premier League thinking for five minutes and put your eggs in another basket and kind of say, right, let's focus on this for a bit because this is another opportunity for us to go on and win a trophy and push our agenda of becoming a winning football club. And it's all there for you. Bring Casemiro back. 
carry on playing the style of football that you want to play. Like, I said that before the Arsenal game, even though it was really disappointing that you lost Casemir in that moment to that yellow card and obviously to the ban, that it's one game. So even if it goes badly, you can just kind of write it off and get back to business, can't you? So good opponents for United to go and play their games. And you could, in theory, win these three games with some style. You could go out there, play your your style of football that has been working this season, let's be honest. I mean, United have played front foot football. I think they've looked really good. So you can do it against these types of defensive. What you just have to be careful of is that you're not a little bit soft or a lot, little bit disappointed because Arsenal didn't go your way. And you just kind of put your chin out to say, well, if you want to punch us, Go on then, you know, you've got that opportunity. Think about, you know, Chris Eubank Jr. the other day. You know, if you're not if you're not careful and put your chin out, you might get sparked. So I don't want that to happen to United. But I also think that this manager is really good at mitigating those situations. He's good. He'll already be in the players' heads, won't he? Saying these cup games now are everything. You play for your life. and Go out there and show people that you're a better team than people have maybe been saying the last few days. So, um a good, good, solid opportunity for Manchester United to get back on the horse. Just one final question. Mm. So there's three cup games coming. So the second leg against Forest is next Wednesday. Mm. So before United play in the league again, they'll play three games in the cups. Yeah. Yeah. And they could be in a final. Knowing the toll that this schedule is taking on the squad, Eric Ten Hag might do it differently, I think. But how would you manage it? I'd go pretty full strength, pretty close to full strength, in the Forest game away, rotate for Reading and then see where we are in the second leg, personally? I would go full strength for all three games. Full strength, your best team. Why? Because I think the thing is with Man United, that even though there is... like The logic in the sports science is telling you that you have to have some rotation. And the way I've looked at that, and I've said this, is that injuries and suspensions will give you that rotation. So you've just given Casemiro a day off. Yeah, for the Arsenal game, which would have been a tough physical toll of a football match, wouldn't it? So Casemiro can play three games in 10 days. He can do. I think when you look wider and you look at maybe the options, yes, like again, Martial injured, that gives you natural rotation, doesn't it? You're going to play someone else at the nine. You know, I think you've got to be really careful here, Scott, of being a little bit too cute. You've got to just win games that are in front of you at the moment and don't project too far into the future. These three games are a massive part of your season now. Yeah, so, okay, put it this way. Say you beat Forrest in the first leg 4-0, yeah? Then you could probably have a little bit more extra rotation in the second leg because you feel more confident about what you're doing. But I think there still be, I think they still will be closer games. I really oh, do. I think, I, I think they're tough matches. I think Reading will be looking for their glory day against Man United. And that's always a, a bad fit, I think, for a team that maybe has just lost a football match to play a, you know, a team from... The, the lower leagues who, who really kind of looking for their the greatest day of their lives, you know, in recent history. So you have to mitigate that. And I don't think there's a lot. When I look at the team, I'm not looking at the players and going, oh, that player looks completely knackered to me. Don't forget, Wan-Bissaka now has had a, a, a bit of kind of, uh, he's had his plaudits for a few games. If Delo is back, then Delo probably gets dropped into one of those three games, doesn't he? So that's a bit of rotation. So I think the rotation still happens but on a much more natural basis. I don't think we have to force it. I don't think we have to do what Pep does at City, which is literally like it's a different team every week, isn't it? Because of who trains the hardest. I don't think United have got that luxury. Go and win these three games at, by hook or by crook and go win them well, because then you go back into the Premier League season and back into that campaign with renewed vigour, especially if you've already booked a place in a cup final. 
Yes, indeed, that'll do for us today on the Promised Land. Uh, United play cup games, as we've just mentioned. Forest away, Reading at home, Forest at home before the Premier League resumes uh, in just under two weeks' time. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes, and watch us twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays. So head over to YouTube, subscribe to our channel, like, uh, join the community, leave a comment for us as well, and the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on an audio platform. And get us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show as well. Rob, any final thoughts before we go? No, just saying there about thanks for everyone that's been watching the show and supporting the show. Uh, And just get in the comments, get in the YouTube comments. The more you comment, the more kind of things get driven and traffic gets driven. And and we'll and we'll try and reply to a few of you Uh, again. Sorry to people that do message us and we can't always get back to absolutely everyone. But we do try our best. Yes, indeed. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Arsenal have beaten Man United, but don't worry. Life goes be on. Be happy. Be happy. <laughs> don't worry. Be happy. I'm sure United will get back on the horse in the next few days. And if they don't, we'll be back on Friday to talk about how United haven't got back on the horse. So thanks very much for listening, everyone. We'll see you soon. Have a great week. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.